0: All right, what's up everyone? It is the February 24th edition of the Alligator Sports Podcast. As always, I am Joe Henry. This week, Jackson is unavailable to join us. We actually missed last week as well. It's the height of the exam season. All of our spring sports are starting at UF. It's a very, very busy time. So Jackson's currently, we're recording this at 2.23 right now. So he's, it's now 2.24. So he's six minutes away from taking an exam. So good luck, Jackson. You are missed, but he'll be back next week, I promise. This week, though, I am joined by newly appointed assistant sports editor and baseball beat reporter Carson Cashin. How are we doing? Welcome to the pod. First time guest.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, first time on the pod uh, and yeah, super excited to be here. And also, I would like to extend my uh, best wishes to Jackson in his exam.
0: Yes, Jackson's the homie. All right, so last weekend was opening weekend of the baseball season, three-game series against Liberty. You were at Friday night and Saturday, I believe. Yes. And then your fellow beat reporter, Ethan Badowski, was at Sunday, gave us a nice recap of it. Friday night went pretty well for the Gators. 7-2 win over the Flames. Um, Pitching was great a great ace performance, and then things kind of fell off the rails on Saturday and Sunday. What did you see from Florida on Friday night of that opening series, first game in Florida ballpark?
1: So for Friday, I mean, it was really just a masterclass from uh, Harry Barca. I mean, we knew going into the season that he was going to be the ace of the team. He was going to be the Friday night starter pretty much from the jump. And he showed us why. He delivered a pretty stellar six inning performance, only one hit and one walk in the final inning. But before that, He was uh, throwing a perfect game. And then obviously the relief pitchers as well really came through. So, and then also it really just showed us that regardless of what else Florida has in their pitching lineup, they know exactly who their number one guy is. And he is probably one of the best in the country.
0: Yeah. It, it does provide a lot of stability there, at least on that, that one spot where you're feeling pretty confident about your at least one outing of every single weekend series at this point for Florida and getting that hammered away, you like you said, they knew it pretty much going into the season, but confirming that right. on the opening weekend, really important. Seven runs were put up, though, by Florida in that win. What was really clicking offensively for them, and who kind of stood out?
1: On the first night, Sterling Thompson was definitely the man of the game on Friday. He delivered, I believe, and was really just the one. I mean, it seems like every single Even through the first uh, opening series, even though the offense kind of fell off, Sterling's uh, singularly, he was still doing pretty well. So he didn't get a whole lot of preseason buzz around him, but I feel like people are definitely going to start taking notice of him pretty quickly. And we saw the why on Friday night.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then moving on to Saturday and Sunday, a four to six loss on Saturday and a three to five loss on Sunday. Liberty ends up taking that series. It's the second opening weekend series that Florida's dropped in a row now after losing to Miami last year. What went wrong on those two days? And how is Florida during the early parts in the midweek games this week against Stetson and UNF, how have they kind of rebounded?
1: So I think for the Saturday and Sunday games, it was – when you look at the weekday games this week against Stetson and against UNF, they're kind of uh, they're kind of split where in the Tuesday game you had a really strong batting performance. And then on the Wednesday game, the pitching is really what carried them to a win and on Saturday and Sunday's performance. It was really more of a mixed bag where, I mean, it wasn't like the pitching was awful, but it wasn't great. I mean, Timmy Manning started on Saturday and uh, um Freshman, uh, Pierce Capola started on Sunday. He had a pretty good outing, but then the relief kind of fell off. And then Brandon Sprott relieved for Timmy Manning on Saturday and had an okay performance. But the bats really just weren't also clicking as well. And so it was kind of a mix of both, just kind of leading to a kind of a uh, – just a mediocre performance from the Gators on both sides. And granted, Liberty's a good team. I mean, they got a pretty good amount of top twenty-five votes going into the season, kind of depending on what outlet you looked at on whether or not they were a top twenty-five team. But they were right on that border, which kind of shows that it wasn't it wasn't your average cupcake opening series like some fans might have expected. But then on Tuesday, the bats were absolutely on fire. I mean, granted, Stetson's not the best team in the world. But just having that kind of confidence booster game—I mean, scoring eight runs on an in an away ballpark—that's never something to stick your nose up at. And then on Wednesday, coming home against UNF, the bats weren't incredibly great. I mean, we only scored three runs. Colby Halter had a two-run shot. And kind of gave a lot of runs still on the board. I mean, in a lot, a lot of situations, this has kind of been a trend for Florida early on as a whole, but just leaving runs on the board leaving sc- runners in scoring position and not being able to bring them home, that's been an issue. But on Wednesday night, the pitching, it, with the pitching, it didn't really matter. Brandon Sproat set a new career high with eight strikeouts. And the relief pitching from uh, Blake Purnell and Ryan Slater was really enough to bring home a win against an, another pretty mediocre North Florida team.
0: Yeah, you talk about Liberty being a pretty quality opponent to open the season against. You said they were right on the outside of the top 25. After winning the opening series, getting two games against Florida, they actually slid up into the top 25. And UF, they went from 9 to 15, I believe. So not a super big fall off there. Shows that those two teams were pretty evenly matched.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, Florida's number nine ranking, I think a lot of people probably could look at that and think it might be a bit of an overstatement. Yeah depends on whether or not you're viewing your preseason rankings as where you think they're going to end the season or where you're going to start the season. And so while Florida may not be one of the 10 best teams in the country right now, I think that with the youth on the team and by the end of the season, if, if those freshmen can develop, I think they definitely could be.
0: Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with you on that. The youth development over these next few games, we have seen it this week against kind of some mediocre opponents that's going to continue this weekend going into a Georgia state series. And then next week, another midweek game against UNF and then a midweek game against Florida A&M through that stretch of five games before the week, the next, the following weekend series with Miami, what do you expect to see in terms of lineup? Are there going to be more young guys thrown in through these games, especially in like the pitching room? Because like, like you said, last night was while well, Sproat was great, his relief was kind of pitching by committee, right? Yeah, the pitching
1: and where a, the lineups go and who relieves and who starts this weekend and going forward is really still kind of a mystery. And I, I, I don't even think, I mean, if you were to ask head coach Kevin O'Sullivan, I'm not sure he would really know either because it really just kind of is a trial by fire with all these freshmen. I mean he's, I mean, going into the season, I think only five of the 14 pitchers on the roster had pitched in a college baseball game before. So, I mean, for a lot of these guys, it's I mean, every single every single relief pitcher, it feels like they're making their collegiate debut, which isn't a bad thing because it shows that there's a lot of potential and a lot of potential for these guys to kind of build on these uh, early performances. But at the same time, I mean, you, as soon as you get to conference play with the SEC being such a tough uh, seat, being in touch, such a tough conference, sorry, it's going to be really tough for those guys to still be developing. But this, this weekend, specifically in the next five games, I would expect Barco on Friday, like we talked about. I, Pierce Coppola had a good performance on Sunday, so I would expect him to start once again. And then it's really, I mean, you could maybe see Philip Abner make a start on one of the, the final trio of weekend games this week. Or maybe um, Timmy Manning. He started on uh, Monday, but he only pitched one inning. So you could still see him making a reappearance this weekend. And then obviously, like you said, all of this is just building up to a really huge matchup in Coral Gables against the Hurricanes uh, next, next weekend.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think just as this baseball season gets rolling, we're going to have more content about baseball on the podcast. We're going to have you on. We're going to have Ethan on for sure. That series against Miami, I'm sure we're going to do some kind of preview for it next weekend, um, talking about the results of this weekend series and then the North Florida and Florida A&M game. You talk about Timmy Manning. Timmy Manning, he started last Saturday. Yes. And there was kind of some mixed results, mixed reviews of his performance. What did you see from him? And do you think he would benefit from receiving another start in front of the home crowd this weekend? I think so. I
1: think he, he made his performance, and it wasn't incredible. I mean, it's really tough to follow Hunter Barco in terms of starting performances on that Saturday game. But it wasn't great. And then he had, I mean, he played against Stetson, but it was really only an inning. So he didn't really even have time to get into a rhythm or anything like that. So I think for a lot of these guys, just giving them, giving them time to just be on the mound and just get experience in front of whether it be the home crowd or an away crowd, just either way, just getting them experience and getting them starts, I think is probably the best thing for their development.
0: Yeah, for sure. We've talked about pitching a good amount and then on the offensive side, hitting wise, we really focused on Sterling Thompson. He has had a really good start to the season here. Who else has been really doing damage at the plate so far beyond Thompson?
1: Well, I mean, beyond Thompson, it's kind of it's been fairly hit or miss. I mean, the, it, the, the batting issues for Florida have definitely been probably the biggest storyline of the season so far. And so, I mean, you look at. I mean, Derek Fabian, the younger brother of Judd Fabian, he's been doing pretty well so far. And then um, Tucker Talbot, he made his collegiate debut on Tuesday after not starting during the weekend series. And through these two games, I believe he's had four RBIs. And he even had a four for five performance on Tuesday, which is, was, was pretty impressive. So we'll see how that continues. And then BT Ryapel, a catcher for Florida. Obviously, the catcher room is going to be an interesting thing to follow this year with how much talent they have through the three catchers on the roster. But I would say those three guys mainly. But then after that, like I said, it really has been just kind of hit or miss depending on the game.
0: Yeah, gotcha. I think that was all the questions I had about baseball. So now to something a little more my speed, my beat. I'm back on it now after I was off for a little bit some stuff shaken up inside the alligator sports sports room. So I'm back on basketball is at the Florida versus Arkansas game on Tuesday night inside the O-Dome. And it was a major letdown for Florida after upsetting number two, Arkansas, the Saturday prior, the loss was, it was really interesting. Florida hung in the game for a lot of the time and was really giving Arkansas all they wanted. They were struggling on the defensive end a lot, but Colin Castleton was just spectacular in the game offensively. A new career high, 29 points. But you look at his stat line as a whole, and he matched 29 points with only six rebounds, which is a relatively low number for what he normally pulls in. And that's where you can really find problems in how Florida fell short in that game. Carson, I just wanted to ask, like, how much you pay attention to the Florida basketball team and where they're at right now in their season. After the game, Anthony DeRuji said that they basically have to be desperate through these final three games of the regular season and going into the SEC tournament. They need to make, they need to win a lot of games. They need to make a lot of noise to try to claw back into the tournament conversation.
1: Well, absolutely. I've definitely been paying attention to them. I've been to, I'd say most of the games this year, minus a few, but yeah, just like you said, I mean, Darushi kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, they, they need to be desperate because this is a team that if the season ended today, I don't think they would be going to March madness. And so, I mean, they've got a chance in the SEC tournament. They've got a couple big games to end out the season, mainly Kentucky at home and the season finale, but I, it's, it's really do or die time for them. And it, I, whether or not the play on the court has indicated that they have a chance to make the tournament, who knows? I ask you that question, but also, I mean, it it really is to win win or go home. That will probably be the mantra throughout the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting because when asked about it, Daruji was pretty transparent in that the team and the players, especially do have the realization of where they're at and, what they need to do if they want to get to March Madness, which is obviously the team's aspirations. And then Mike White again was very reserved about it, like the typical coach, one game at a time type attitude, not looking too far ahead. But that attitude worked great going into the Auburn game because that was one where if you got it, you're right back in the thick of things going towards going down the stretch. Arkansas would have been their second um, Q1 win in a row. Arkansas was ranked 18 going into the game. They'd only lost five games all season going in or six games all season going into the matchup. And then Jalen Williams and JD Notay just took over the game for the Razorbacks. Florida didn't really have any answers for them. It was a very unbalanced attack for Florida. Um, Castleton put up 29 and then Appleby put up 19 and no other Florida player got into double figures. So very unbalanced scoring. And just down the stretch, they really just collapsed. It was, it was my lead of my article, was Devontae Davis. He he got a fast break at the end of the game. And it was it was crazy. Like everybody in the in the press section that I was sitting with was just like, oh, he just did that. Like it was pretty disrespectful. But like he he got on a fast break and he dunked and then he's he slapped the backboard. And, it, oh, and he got a tech for it, but like it didn't even matter. The game was just so over and it was just like that really could be the end of Florida's tournament hopes right there, because while this is still, I put in air quotes, a quality loss against Arkansas, a Q1 team, you're still dropping a game at home. And then now Florida has gone under 500 in conference play, and that's pretty damning when it comes to trying to get into March Madness, especially when they were already tallied by Joe Lenardi as one of the next four out teams. Like, there's so much work to do for them. And the schedule down the stretch, I mean, they have that one game against Kentucky to end the season, but wins against Georgia and wins against Vanderbilt in their next two games aren't going to do much for Florida's resume.
1: Right, and like you said I really. I mean, in a vacuum, a loss to Arkansas, a tough, a tough team. That's not an awful loss in a vacuum. But the thing is, Florida doesn't have enough quality wins where they where a quality loss can do them any good. They need they need to be winning those games regardless. And so, like you said, it's really. I mean, unless if they pull off a shocker against Kentucky and then say maybe get to the SEC tournament final. I mean, we'll see. But I'll, in this other otherwise i don't think that they have really much and going back to your point about the offense it really seems like castleton's good to give you 15 20 points a game sometimes he's going to go off and get 29 or something like that but it seems like from the guards it really is just kind of hit or miss and maybe tyree can get hot or maybe myron can get hot or maybe or maybe um mckissick can get hot but none of them are consistent enough where Florida can rely on them on a game to game basis. I was wondering what you thought about
0: that. Yeah. I mean, we saw, we saw it on Tuesday that, and on Saturday really um, Tyree had a career high or a season high 26 on Saturday and then followed up with 19. He was really great shooting the three pointer on Tuesday night. He hit his first two attempts. Florida started the game on fire from three, their first 12 points all came from behind the arc on perfect shooting It really created an energy around the game that it was like, oh, Florida's come to play and this isn't going to be a letdown. And then that all just faded away by the time the second half rolled around. But the guard play has just been super inconsistent. And that was one of the real detriments when Castleton was down and wasn't active. Was that they didn't really have a go to score and Appleby tried to fill that void as best as he could, but it just wasn't working. and. You'll get buckets from guys like Flan Fleming and from McKissick and Jones, like you said, but there's not a really good secondary option on this team beyond Castleton outside of Castleton down low and Appleby at the point. There's not a really good other scoring option. That's going to be able to drive the lane or anything like that because most of what Tyree does is these wild step back off balance, three point shots. That's how he racks up his points is he'll throw up eight of those a game and get four of them to drop. And then boom, he's at double digit points and then he adds a few on the free throw line. And that's how he gets to 19. That's usually the, the ebb and flow of how Tyree gets his, gets his buckets. But Castleton was an absolute warrior on Tuesday night. He, he was fouled 11 times. He shot 10 free throws and made nine of them. And that's one way to get a career high. He was just absolutely beat up. And I think it really took a toll on him by the end of the game. And that's why he wasn't getting some clutch rebounds. Arkansas got some second chance opportunities, really just prolonged the game and their own shot clock and just was able to wear Florida down
1: yeah and we don't know to what degree Castleton's still nursing or d- dealing with any sort of pain from that shoulder injury that kept them out for a while so that's still that could be something that might have attributed to the lack of rebounds especially after taking such fouls for the entire game but yeah it's not looking not looking great for Florida basketball
0: yeah it was interesting after the game white it was pretty like quick the way he referenced it but he said that Colin when talking about Castleton He said that he was still playing with a significant shoulder injury. So there is still something there that's lingering. And most of what White did, and I feel like from just watching the game on Tuesday, was he praised Arkansas. Arkansas is a really, really good basketball team, and they're really, really deep, really balanced. They had five guys in double figures during that game, and it was just too much. And coming off of the excitement that surrounded the team after the Auburn game, it was just like a really like – it was like a big punch to the face to the fan base, really, I think, losing that game. A lot of people were excited about the team and the fact that they could make a little bit of a run to get into the tournament after the upset and the the court storming, if you want to call it that. We've had we've had some interesting talk, discussions about court storming over the past week within the Alligator Sports Room. The court entrance, you could say, entered
1: the court. I don't, I don't know if I would describe it as a rush, but – they were they were fans entering. Yeah,
0: either way, UF got slapped with a 50000 $50, thousand dollar fine for that, so I'm sure they love that. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: And like you said, I mean, it's it's great to I mean for coach to praise Arkansas. I mean, that's no doubt about it. That's a really good team. But at the same time, I mean. If you want to make the tournament, that's a team you got to win. You can't – that's a team you got to beat, that is. You can't just praise them for how good they beat – for how well they played in a win against you. You need to actually go out and beat that team, so.
0: Yeah, going down the stretch, it's going to be super interesting to see how things play out. I think Florida has a really good chance to win their next two on the road and set themselves up to maybe make some more magic happen back at home against Kentucky. But – I think that loss to Arkansas, it really puts them out of point. So even with beating Kentucky, they might still find themselves right on the outside looking in. And that's an interesting spot for Florida. They are normally a tournament lock. They're over 20 wins by this point in the season, the majority of the time. And it just raises a lot of conversations about where this Florida basketball program is at as a whole under Mike White. And Yeah, this season, just the narrative around Castleton and his injury and how if he wasn't there, wasn't playing as good as he's been, how much worse would the team be? And I think you could also go back into just how how White's built the team. There's just a lot of transfers on this team, and a good amount of them have become good role players, but I don't think any of them have panned out into – the real like star caliber players that white thought he was getting in guys like Jones and McKissick and Fleming.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the the basketball and college basketball has obviously kind of taken off in the last say five, six years. Yeah. And it's definitely helped teams. I mean, you can see across the board, but um i don't think you're really ever going to get a primary like scoring option that that can be a primary scoring option on a winning team that like makes some noise and call it in march madness with the transfer portal and so then when you you get all these guys i mean it's great because i mean obviously like you said they've been really good role players but at the same time when you need that secondary tertiary score behind castleton and maybe appleby i don't know if you can really find those guys
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. It's interesting to even look back in, like, the history of the program now that Castleton at one time was the transfer that came in, was kind of a secondary player behind, like, Kerry Blackshear and stuff like that that was, like, Florida's solidified big man for the one season that he played for them, and then Castleton's kind of grown into the role now. And one really cool thing, I'm just going to keep talking about Castleton because that's basically all with – that's – Ooh, well, there that, was, that was all we got on Tuesday night it was all him and white really talked about and praised his growth in like the mental aspects of basketball and stuff like that, where, like I said earlier, fouled 11 times was at the free throw line. A lot was really getting beat up by Jalen Williams down low. Who's a really great defender. One of the best defenders in the sec and the game got really, 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 really physical in the second half. And there was a couple times where it seemed like Castleton was about to lose his cool and lose his temper a little bit, but stayed calm and stayed really the consistent leader of the team in the huddle. And even just from like an objective standpoint of covering this team throughout the season, there's been times where Castleton jaws with players and stuff like that during games. And he does that to fire his own team up to fire the fans up and everything. But sometimes it like, seems to like teeter on the line of where he's trying to get under an opponent's skin. And he never really did that on Saturday outside of one time. He, he got an, and one call on, on Jalen Williams. And he did the, you're too, you're too little pose um, mm-hmm. pose yes. to him as he ran back down the floor. And that's very interesting because Jalen Williams is in fact, six feet, 10 inches. Is that taller than Castleton? He's one inch shorter. So I guess <laughs> he could be too little. Technically speaking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he did do that to, get, to Walker Kessler though, and Walker Kessler is all of seven foot one. <laughs> <laughs> so when he did that against Auburn, that was pretty hilarious. It was actually really funny. Yeah, well, I guess it got on
1: her skin well enough to get the win. Obviously not on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I think that is about all we have for this week. Normally. Normally Jackson will jump in here at the end and try to give some score predictions or something like that. He's normally wrong, but that's how we do it on the podcast. We just give wrong score predictions all the time. That's what we're known for at this point. But I think we'll save that for next week because we'll probably go into next week preview in the Kentucky game that ensuing Saturday. That'll be excited to see where this men's team's at after two more games. And Yeah. Carson, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's great to have you on some really good baseball insight for us. Something that I don't pay attention to as much as I probably should. And yeah, we'll have you on more throughout the rest of the baseball season. It's just getting started. It's a really, really long season. A lot of games to talk about. So lots of good content there. And yeah, we'll see you all next week. Thank